You are now tuning in to Let's Be Honest with host Just Jonda. Honest with Just Jonda. I'm your host, Just Jonda. Welcome to the show. Today's topic the anticipation of intolerable choices. We've got some interesting mess to go into today. I'm going to start with just giving you a quick election roundup. Today's episode is not going to be overly politics heavy. I'm going to give you a little bit of politics, a little bit of pop culture and celeb stuff, so it'll be a great show. Stick with me. First, President Trump continues to burn it all down. Now, we knew this was going to happen, or those of us with a brain knew that this was going to happen, that no matter what the outcome of the election, it was going to be a hot mess. On the one hand, if you were not a Trump supporter or a Trumpeteer, as I call them, then obviously him winning a second term was going to be intolerable in its own way. If he were to lose, as we see that has happened, and not going to get into a debate about it, he lost, then the next two and a half months, whatever it is, between now and January 20th, we're going to be intolerable in an entirely different way. While it is still my belief that from the outset, this man had no real belief that he was going to end up being president in the first place. And I truly believe he absolutely hates the job. That doesn't mean that he wanted to lose once he had it. If he didn't get it the first time, then that would have been that. You know, he would have talked a lot of smack and probably tried to participate in some minimal way in being a thorn in Hillary Clinton's side. But not really, because let's face it, she would have caught hell for four years from the Republican Senate, not uh, barely able to get anything done, investigations, etc. It would have essentially been a repeat of what President Obama went through his last six years of his presidency with the addition of some investigations and emails and that kind of stuff because Thankfully, they didn't have the scandal side of things to go after President Obama with. They were simply stuck with what was probably not fun for them because, let's face it, they would have loved to try to smear him in scandal. The only thing they could do was just try to thwart his attempts at uh, legislation that he felt was meaningful or to 
um, as, as they successfully did in the last six to nine months of his term, keep him from making a Supreme Court appointment. But they didn't have the smear piece. That's what they would have done if Hillary had won. And they would not have needed Trump to do it. In fact, if Trump had lost the first time, he would have just pretty much been put to, he would have been put in a drawer and the drawer closed because he's not a problem that the Republicans ever needed. He is really, as I discussed before, the demon child of the hatred for President Obama and the Tea Party and the Republicans being so focused on the one hand, their hatred for President Obama, and on the other hand, not knowing what the hell to do with the rise of the Tea Party, that they were not ready when it was time for them to have a candidate in place. And then they ended up with a stage full of randoms with no clear leader. And you had Trump pull a card from Ronald Reagan's playbook and go ahead with um, really amping up the racial issues in his, uh, in Ronald Reagan's case, he used African-Americans and the, and, and the myth of the were welfare queen with, President Trump, it was uh, it was still racism, but a slightly different in that he used immigrants and well immigration generally and religion with Muslims, which still incites the same group of people who would be incited when you're talking about black people, racists. You know those. I mean, hell, we don't have to spell it out. Racist, and then you get your 53% of white women who are going to vote in their own interest and their interest is voting with their husbands. And there you go, you've got President Trump. However, again, not a, not a problem that this party ever needed or wanted. And despite what you see on the news would be happy to have go away. Now, of course, his appointees, like Pompeo, like the woman from the General Services Administration, like Bill Barr, those individuals are fighting for their jobs. He goes away, they go away. So they've got to toe the party line. But your career politicians who are standing by him, your Mitch McConnells and Lindsey Grahams and whatever, when Trump is out of here, he will be a memory that they will not even be thinking about. Nobody's going to be making reservations to be the first ones to go to the Trump presidential library with his three books, all of them being, you know, two copies of The Art of the Deal. And I think maybe Ivanka has a book and he'll put that in there as well. I guess the first lady, it's pretty standard stuff. She'll probably write something. So if they're married by the time her book is published, then it'll have four books. So you have, you've got that. I doubt his niece's book will be in there because, you know, he doesn't like her. Or he doesn't like what she said about him anyway, because she basically spent page after page saying that he wasn't wrapped too tight. At any rate, when he goes, no, these folks aren't going to care. But right now they've got to toe the party line. And I get it. He's the president and he is their president because he's a Republican president. They've got to do what they've got to do. 
So the lawsuits continue basically as an all-out tactical assault on places where Trump lost, most being areas largely populated by African-Americans. Uh, and of course, it, I, I mean, we might as well say it, those places and that population were primarily responsible for the Biden victories in certain states, especially states that were flipped in places like Philadelphia, Atlanta, and then, of course, we have Detroit. Now, Michigan tends to go blue, but it didn't the last time. So, and of course, they anticipated that it was going to go red this time, which it was when you were counting the day of. It's amazing how President Trump keeps pointing out, well, at a certain point, you know, all these mail-ins came in and everything was blue, blue, blue. So clearly that uh, there's fraud. No, you told all your people to show up the day of. They did to the tune of like 71 million. That is nothing to sneeze at. It's pretty incredible. I'm not going to take that away from him. At this point, both he and Joe Biden has broken records. It's not just that Joe Biden has gotten the most votes of uh, any president um, in history, but even in losing, so did President Trump. Because the number, I think, was somewhere in the 60s, maybe. So once they both went over 70, these are record-breaking numbers. It's record-breaking number on a whole, and it's record-breaking numbers on both ends. It's just that one has more than the other. So as scary as it is for some of us, his number is absolutely nothing to sneeze at but again you told your people to show up that day they did so when those are the votes that are being counted that day then they're all going to be red and when they start counting well not all of them but you know what i mean but when they the majority and then when they start counting the mail-ins or as i pointed out yesterday absentee ballots but just called mail-ins because everybody wasn't technically absent then you're going to get a huge shift of blue. Why? Because the other side told their people to vote in advance. It's not rocket science. Why you saw things look one way when one set of votes were counted and look another way when another set of votes are counted. Uh, you know, but again, I guess you don't necessarily need to be a rocket scientist when you're just accusing everybody of screwing you because apparently nobody had anything better to do. Next, DOG, DOJ Chief William Barr opens the door for the DOJ to investigate the alleged claims. So essentially he's saying, no problem, I am allowing Department of Justice investigators to basically go fishing for problems. And Secretary of State Michael Pompeo basically said the only transition he's preparing for is Trump into his second term. And even the White House has uh, has dispatched information telling everybody, that, you know, get us your numbers because we're preparing our February budget under President Trump, as in he's going to be there in February to give this budget. The other thing that, although it's not exactly related to the election, but still sort of falls under the Trump umbrella, is that 
today we saw that the Supreme Court, actually they were hearing uh, arguments on a number of things, but the one that everybody was watching for is that they heard arguments on the Affordable Care Act case today. It, now that got pretty interesting as the judges began to ask their questions, because when you go before the Supreme Court, it's not like other things you see on television, other cases. The oral arguments are literally that day because all the work is done leading up to that in the briefs. So your oral arguments are very brief. You have a very short period of time. The judges are allowed to question. You can reserve some of the time, of course, if you want to do a rebuttal. And the other, the person on the other side goes through the same process and that's it. And the judges go in the back and based on a combination of the briefs and exhibits that have been submitted, any um, amicus curiae briefs, which is a fancy way of saying friends of the court, which are individuals or organizations who may be in support of it. Um, like for instance, when you're talking about the Affordable Care Act, there may have been some healthcare individuals or scholars or hospitals perhaps that may be uh, submitted briefs. Doesn't always happen, but it, it does happen in really big cases. And based on the briefs and the, inf and the questions that the judges ask, which most of the time, no matter what the attorneys come in there and argue, the judges pretty much already know what they're going to ask unless somebody says something that is way different than anything that they said in their brief, which is rare because individuals who have uh, who are arguing before the Supreme Court most of the time are the best of the best. Uh, the same thing, these briefs have been through, because you also have to remember, they've already been through several layers before they get before they get there. You don't just wake up one day, file a brief and go to the Supreme Court. These cases have worked their way through the courts. So most of these briefs and arguments that are being made have been honed to the nth degree, to the sharpest point of a pencil and the arguments, same thing, especially since you have a limited period of time. That being said, no matter what the, that person comes in there to argue, chances are the judges are already coming in there with the questions set in their minds because, again, your brief has laid out your argument in far greater detail than anything that you are going to say in court and so uh, a lot of the judge's questions are probably based on points that uh, their clerks may have brought up to them or depending on how a particular judge works, conversations with their clerks. Okay, I'm going down the rabbit hole, but the bottom line is the Chief, Just Chief Justice Roberts um, just based on the questions he asked today, doesn't seem as hell-bent on throwing the baby out with the bathwater as it relates to the Affordable Care Act. Now, we know that he could just be asking questions to make sure that he has covered all, his base, all of his bases and that he may very well do what the Trump administration hopes that he would do or vote 
the way that they hope he will vote and just maybe wants to feel like from a jurisprudence standpoint, he has asked questions that have given him um, a, a fuller view, shall we say, of the situation so that when he writes his opinion, he can also uh, write from the perspective of I've looked at this situation from both sides and even attempted to look at it in the light most favorable to both sides and I'm still deciding to do XYZ. That being said, whether that's the reason he did it or if he is not exactly going with what uh, the Republican Party line, he had him a little shook. It was enough that it was it was definitely a discussion on several of the networks. As far as President-elect Biden, he's still unbothered. He had a press conference today. He basically said he sees no reason for litigation at this point as it relates to transition. The Constitution it is clear. It's going to happen. Uh, if President Trump is going to go through all of these things and jump through all of these hoops, he said, quite frankly, it's, he pretty much said, quite frankly, it's an embarrassment. But again, you know, he can't stop him from doing whatever he's going to do. I took that to say, you know what? You got on me about the fact that I was here. I've been in Washington, in and around Washington for 47 years. But this is where that 47 years comes in handy. I'm not tripping about not getting the national security information and the briefings. I'm not tripping about not getting X amount of money and all of these little shenanigans you're pulling because that 47 years that you tried time after time to give me shit over comes in handy now because I've got 47 years worth of contacts, including individuals in the intelligence community that I can call on to get what I need to get done. Now, he didn't say it that let's just say that's Jonda's version of that. Um, if you've ever seen that key and peel skit where um, one of them is being the straight laced that President Obama that we know. And then he has the other person who comes out and translates for him and says what he's really saying. Well, let's call that your just jonder version of that. And I'm telling you what's really being said behind the sunglasses. So Biden, unbothered. Trump, very bothered. The end. stuff that has nothing to do with any of this. First things first, for any of you that follow the rap stuff, then you probably have heard about Future the Rapper. Now, some of you, and 
I'm not entirely sure. I don't fall into this category. I mean, I listen to stuff, but I don't really pay attention. Uh, he's basically Sierra, you know, Sierra that's married to Russell Wilson. He's Sierra and everybody else's baby daddy. He's got like, I don't know, maybe nine kids, and, you know, nine baby mamas, just some foolishness. Well, the funny thing with this, even if you don't follow it, is that he is once again in court over child support with, uh, I can only describe her as the baby mama that he seems to hate the most. The one that for whatever reason seems to have his number when it comes to just unadulterated hate for this woman, um, this woman, Eliza Rain. He, it, this is the one where he refused to take paternity, uh, paternity tests to the point where she pulled what I would say was uh, the baby mama coup of the century, her and the last baby mama, who I guess he didn't get a test for either. Those two finally realized they were better together than apart, got together, had the kid, had their kids tested and proved that the kids were siblings which then, of course, the dominoes began to fall in terms of proving that he was the father. But again, he has just got a bug up his butt as it relates to this one woman, despite the fact that it seems that he was with her for on, on and off for like five to six years. So the last time or the second to last time they were in court, she got a huge child support award, much greater than she had even far greater than she'd even asked for, primarily because he didn't provide any of his documentation to the court. In fact, he didn't even show up. So what did the court do? The court looked at Forbes. He was listed as one of the highest paid rappers. So they awarded her like something like $53,000 a month, which a whole bunch of people were having a fit about, which I've already spoken to this. Why are you worried about what somebody else pays in child support? We know what the theory behind child support is, is that the child should live the same no matter whose house they're at. So if you get with somebody that only makes two cents on the dollar, then guess what? You have now just provided them with a new standard of living by having a child with them, especially if they have custody. And that is a choice that you made, intolerable for you, but nevertheless, a choice that you made. This dude now, and by the way, that order was reduced to like $3,200 a month, which she really wasn't tripping about. Well, he is trying to reduce that as well and file documents in court that it's just hard to even laugh. I mean, hard to not laugh when you, when you read them. He claims he lives in a two bedroom apartment in Atlanta and he doesn't know the rent. Okay. He claims he does not own any jewelry, despite the fact that I mean, I guess he just assumes that no one at the courthouse has Google, which I don't understand why he would assume that, because that's sort of how they got him last time with the Forbes number. And as soon as you type in his name, there's nothing but pictures of him wearing jewelry. But OK. And he claims he has no assets. Now, the whole thing about not knowing how much you pay in rent, I would suggest that maybe he doesn't know how much he pays in rent because he probably has a whole separate apartment for all of his hoes because he has so many of them. Um, 
too bad same courtesy isn't being afforded to his baby mamas, but I'm sure he'll have more of those soon since condoms don't seem to be his thing either. I mean, at least we know that he's not wasting money on that that could be going to his child support. For all of this, I'm just going to have to use his real name. You don't get to be called future. That name is just dumb. So I'm just going to call you the name that your mother gave you that seems to just sound like you were going to be useless. Navadius Demun Wilburn. So, Navadius, everything about you works my nerves. Your name, your stage name, your wayward penis, your scruffy sideburns, the fact that people think you're hot when I can't even find your face half the time through all kinds of fur that's as wayward as your penis. Um, Navadius, take care of your kids or go get neutered. It's really that simple. Next, Erica Jane. For those of you who are Real Housewives of Beverly Hills watchers, Erica Jane is one of the ladies on that show. She is, um, people say that she's cold. I don't know if she's cold. I just think she can't really move her face. She is the one who is 49 but wants to be a pop star. She had just gotten a role as Roxy Hart, um, obviously stunt casting, in Chicago, but of course, um, you know, all the shows are dark. And uh, she was married to, or is married to an 81-year-old man. So again, she's 49. They've been married for 21 years. So she was about maybe 28 when she married him. And he was, what, 60, 59? Uh, and, and no shade towards her. He married her. He, you know, this is what you wanted, man. So she and he were married for a number of years and of course she's living great claiming that her glam squad alone each month costs 40 grand a month also by the way and this is where i gotta give compliments to the chef on this one at the age of 28 29 whatever she was 28 21 years ago and him being i guess around 59 60 he married her with no prenup so whatever cartwheels and flips she did uh, for that one, God bless her. Because this dude is an attorney, a very well-off one. Well, he was until recently. That seems to be an issue as well. And he still married her prenup free. So God bless you. Well, anyway... The couple is apparently divorcing, and um, that's probably not going to bode well for her 40k a month glam, but they are trying to work out some type of support situation. Now, I'm not suggesting that she is a gold digger. I'm not even saying that she's messing with anybody else who is... Uh, who has money or isn't. There's been some, ruder, uh, some rumors that perhaps she was... Uh, that she's currently seeing. I want to say his name is Scooter Braun. I know that he was the manager. I believe this is the infamous manager of, or former manager of um, 
uh, Kelly Clarkson and Taylor Swift. I, Swift. I also believe uh, Shania Twain as well. So there's rumors about that. But basically, she is allegedly living her best life. Just moved into a million dollar apartment at seven grand a month. So not bad, but she's I would say she's got to get a good settlement out of this because Real Housewives of Beverly Hills um, money and trying to be a an almost 50-year-old Demi Lovato or Selena Gomez is probably not going to pay for that glam swag. But good luck. Next, this is one. I should have put this a little higher on the list because... I think that this one's important to us all. So as we know, we lost our beloved uh, host with the most, Alex Trebek, on Sunday, who had been the host of Jeopardy for, I want to say, 37 years? It was over 30 years. And um, as, as you know, he had cancer, and unfortunately, it had actually come back a number of times, and he, he continued to work, and he would have his ups and downs, but um, things were going well for a bit. And unfortunately, it appears that in recent weeks, he just took a turn and it was uh, too hard, too fast. And being 80, his body just couldn't take it anymore. Um, Alex did film ep episodes, apparently up all the way through the 29th of October. And considering that he just died on Sunday. Brother man was working like pretty much to the end. And um, so it's from my understanding and what I've read, those episodes are there were they were enough episodes because, as you know, or you well, if not, I'm telling you talk shows and definitely game shows. Not uh, some talk shows don't film multiple episodes in a day. It depends on whether they are a live talk show. Like for instance, Wendy Williams is live most days. I think she does record maybe her Friday show a day in advance. So she may do uh, two on Thursdays, but um, The View is live. I've, I've actually been to The View, which was very cool. Studio a lot smaller than it looks on television, but very, very cool. Um, but uh, certain shows, game shows, um, some talk shows, and uh, def well, again, definitely game shows, film months in advance with multiple, sometimes multiple episodes a day. Um, so needless to say, lots of NDAs involved when it comes to game shows. I even know someone very well whose family won a car on The Price is Right about a year ago. And of course, when she was finally able to tell us, it had happened like maybe six months before. And imagine keeping that secret. And they have kids who had to keep that secret as well. So um, pretty cool. But anyway, back to Jeopardy. Uh, it, apparently any move that is made as it relates to the potential introduction of a new host, at least for the purposes of the viewing audience, we would not see that person actually doing the gig until next year. There is speculation that although he is, 
he is synonymous with Jeopardy, Jeopardy is synonymous with him, um, that they will more than likely replace him because it is a very popular show. I mean, sure, it's not breaking any records, but let's say it's a staple with a solid number that stays consistent. You watch the news, you watch Wheel of Fortune, you watch Jeopardy. I mean, there are many of us whose grandparents to parents and sometimes even to us, I don't even necessarily watch it that way, but I know what time it comes on. And if push comes to shove and I'm not doing something else or paying attention to something else at 730, will absolutely turn to Jeopardy, even if it's just for Final Jeopardy. So it's it's just a staple. It's kind of like The Price is Right. And I think the Jeopardy probably, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jeopardy even gets better numbers than The Price is Right because it comes on in the evening as opposed to during the day when people are at work. And up until recently, it still had the host that everybody was used to, whereas The Price is Right has not had the same, uh, The Price is Right has not had Bob Barker for a number of years. And Drew Carey, bless his heart, does not have the same, um, he doesn't have the same mojo as, say, a Steve Harvey, who was able to take Family Feud and make it his own so much so that you really do think of Family Feud as Steve Harvey's show, not just um, a, a show that's a staple that Steve Harvey just happens to be doing right now. I don't think that anybody thinks of The Price is Right as Drew Carey's show. is just the show he just happens to be doing because Bob Barker doesn't do it anymore. Um, and so uh, it, it, I say all that to say that Jeopardy certainly falls into the category of being all about Alex Trebek just as much as it is about the questions. And, um, but again, because of where it stands with, uh, in, in syndication and, and just, you know, it's just Jeopardy that they're not going to get rid of it. So there has certainly Sadly, sad to say with Alex Trebek's body is barely cold, but there is certainly questions about who is going to take his place because, again, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that the, store, the show isn't going anywhere. So these are some of the people that the New York Post said, I'm not really feeling any of them. The first is George Stephanopoulos. Um... A reasonably good guy, great speaking voice. Uh, I like him on the, the myriad of things he does for ABC because George has been literally all over the network. I feel like I've watched him grow up despite the fact that he and I are probably in the same general age range, give or take a few years, but he is so tiny and it looked like a kid. He was kind of like, Michael J. Fox when he was playing a teenage Alex P. Keaton and he was probably 30. Um, well, George always looked that way too. So you see him age now and it's starting to show a bit, you know, a couple of lines in the face and he's got some gray hair. But again, I still feel like 
I watched this little kid grow up that uh, that again we're probably in the same age range. Um, I I don't see it. I don't think that it's an issue where he isn't personable or uh, can't be interesting because we've seen him do a little bit of everything, including interviews with people not just the political commentary thing although that's most of what we've seen him do but actually interview with people and as we know he he was a political operative first so dealing with people is something that he can do we certainly know that he's smart probably could be a jeopardy contestant himself but mm, not that host thing um betty white well, I think they said Alex joked about that. And again, it, she, as much as I love Betty, don't give Betty anything else to do before we're all falling out and crying that you gave her too much to do and we are burying her too. Betty is great. Betty is not serious enough for that show. And she doesn't have the stamina for the show. I couldn't even see her doing it all in one sitting. We love Betty when we trot her out to, at this point, just be the dirty mouth grandma. And that's pretty much it. And and again, I think that it was probably said jokingly anyway. Alex Faust, Ken Jennings, if I recall correctly, they're both former contestants. Ken Jennings seems nice enough, doesn't have the personality for it. Alex Faust, same thing. Laura Coates, cool. Um... I think that, yeah, she's an African-American woman. I think it would come off as stunt casting. I really do. And I hate to say that being an African-American woman myself, but um, I, I just don't see her in that role. I will tell you who my two picks would be. In fact, I'm hoping a hashtag could get started because I certainly put it on Twitter and I tagged both of them in it. And I'm going to put it every damn day until it catches on. I would like to see it being either um, Anderson Cooper or Chris Cuomo, not Andy Cohen or, and it got, if it's Ryan Seacrest, I, I will jump off of something, but hear me out. Anderson Cooper and Chris Cuomo both have few things in common, which would be, which makes it fine for me if it's either one, um, both very smart very well informed on many topics across the board. Both of them, again, if they if there was like a celebrity Jeopardy or something like that, you could totally see them, either one of them being Jeopardy contestants and doing very well because, again, they're smart. Um, these are individuals who may even watch the show because they seem like the type that would find Jeopardy interesting. If they don't, that's fine. But they project that air that they probably do. The other thing in terms of projecting an air, an air of confidence with a little swag, but not too much. Chris Cuomo, a little bit more. She's got that kind of New York thing going on. Of course, Anderson Cooper is New York, but he's upper crust New York because he's a Vanderbilt. So there's kind of a different thing that goes, um, goes with his New York. But... The other thing that I think is important because it's something that Alex brought to it, although theirs is a little more overt than his, there is this slight um, sarcasm. Um, you you'll probably get a little bit more of the sarcasm with, uh, with a dash of snark 
from Chris Cuomo, which I still don't have an issue with because you don't want the person to be trying to imitate Alex Trebek. But with when you've got people who think that they are the smartest kid in the room, because the kids who the people who go on Jeopardy are absolutely the people who have always believed or been told they were the smartest kids in the room. Dum dums don't go on this show. Dum dums don't even try for this show. These are the people who have always either considered themselves smart or told they were smart. They are what used to be when I was growing up, we were encyclopedia readers. So those types of people, when I might as well suck it up and count myself in, in, in that sometimes might need somebody to be a little snarky, maybe a little sarcastic, just to knock them down a peg or two. Not in a way that you're being an asshole to them, but just in a way that makes it interesting to watch. And I think Chris Cuomo absolutely brings that. Anderson Cooper does as well, just in a less overt way, because again, he comes from a different place. The sensitivity is a little bit different, but you, but there's no question that he has the snark um, or, or in, in that sort of, well, maybe a little less snark than um excuse me, Chris Cuomo, but he certainly got the sarcasm and, um, you know, and the little zings in, in between uh, that somebody wouldn't have to necessarily write for them. And both of these people come from a situation, well, yeah, there is some stuff written for them, but because of the nature of what they do, there is a lot of thinking on their feet because they tend to debate with people night after night. They may know what their topic is going to be, but once things get going, because they can't predict what their guests are going to say, and it being based on news that is topical and literally unfolding at the time, these are individuals who would be good with thinking on their feet and um, having a rapport with the guests that could be pretty interesting and at times even kind of funny. So they would bring their own flavor to the show where it wouldn't be so dry. In fact, probably even a little bit more zing than Alex did, but Alex had his own thing that we were used to and comfortable with. So those are my picks and I am good with either one. Um, my last thing would be, and, and again, most importantly about those two, not trying too hard. Finally, the last thing is a story is, again, it's, it's some, some of these stories like the Johnny Depp story, like the Andrew Gillum story are like the gifts that keep on giving, even though nobody asks for them and they need to stop. In fact, the individuals, or in this case, individual who is most affected by it would probably say, please, God, stop giving me this damn gift, which would be John Gray, Pastor John Gray of Relentless Church, who was just in a fight with the other church. What are they? Renovation? Retention? I don't know. It's some crap. They were fighting over a church in Greensboro. But anyway, so as I reported to you all 
um, I would say a couple of months ago, because this all really jumped off in September. So why he felt the need to embarrass her again by even bringing it up, who knows? It's, it's one of those things where for someone who is supposed to be a spiritual leader and counselor, he seems to have missed the memo that is in Counseling 101, which is that apologies are typically not for the person being apologized to. They are for the person who is apologizing so that they can unburden themselves of what they're feeling, primarily guilt. The problem with that is that they're unburdening and unloading that shit onto the person that is the aggrieved party. <laughs> and that is exactly what, um, and that's exactly what's going on here. We know serial cheater who never truly admits exactly what he was doing. Now with this last affair, even the woman said that there, she claims anyway, that there was not anything, um, Physical. I won't say there was nothing sexual. People love to dance around with what's sexual and what's not. If you send pictures to of your boobs or he sends a picture of his penis or I'm sorry, your breast and his penis, then that's sexual. Would your significant other, if you have one, think that that was sexual? Would they think that, it, or at the very least, quite problematic then or you know or or well we'll just go back to the original point would your significant other in whatever form or fashion that comes think that it was sexual sexual enough that it would cause problems in your home yes so it is sexual what other reason would you have for sending it other than purient interest and again I'm not knocking it. If you do it and you like it, if that's your stilo, knock yourself out. I am simply saying, don't try to bullshit a bullshitter. We all know what it is. Okay, I don't have to be putting you down and, and being all high and mighty and acting like I'm a prude, which, I mean, you've listened to my podcast, you know I'm not, to say that it's sexual. It just is. So, I mean, I'm not going to post a picture of my boobs just to prove it to you because, you know, ain't none of your damn business. At any rate, <laughs> being silly, of course, but that's why you love me. So, most recently, I won't go through the whole sordid history. I only brought the whole sexual thing up because he says he gets into this whole, like, it was an emotional affair. And, and again, like I said, this most recent woman says that they, let's say they didn't have intercourse because there were pictures exchanged. And the affair prior to that, both of those women were adamant that they, there was sex, especially the one in particular who talked about the fact that there were multiple occasions where he and his wife were appearing somewhere and he would put her up um, because they would come like to the same town she was in, maybe Atlanta or something like that. He would put her up in the same hotel because, you know, if you're going to cheat, you might as well make it convenient, right? I mean, hell, it's player 101. Hello? 
I mean, it's not rule number one. It's more like Playa 101, volume two. No, I think that would be in volume one. So we'll say that's Playa 101, volume one, rule number 12. Yeah, I'm going to give that 12 because there's, there's a bunch of other rules that go in there. Like, you know, it not, uh, it not shitting where you eat. Um, if you don't know what that means, look it up. There is honor among thieves. Long, short, don't mess around with somebody who doesn't have as much or more to lose than you do. So there, there's uh, several that you get to before you get to making it convenient. Should I move that up to number 10? Yeah, I'm going to put that in the top 10 because if you're going to, if you're, tr you're trying to make it happen and it has to be on the low, it definitely needs to be convenient. So that same hotel thing is kind of smooth. Not exactly. Mm, I don't know too many people who would actually do it, but I guess it depends on who knows who. Why am I going down this rabbit hole? I'm probably revealing way too much about other people. Don't make any assumptions. I don't assume shit about you. Don't assume stuff about me. Okay, next. <laughs> okay, so he decides uh, yesterday to post this beautiful picture of her. Looks like, you know, their version of a Vogue cover. A Vogue cover. And don't get me wrong. It, it is really a gorgeous picture. Don't know where, don't know why but it doesn't matter. Absolutely gorgeous. I'm assuming it's her. And um, yeah, I kinda, it kind of looks like her in the face. And um, so he decides he's going to apologize. So here we go. A few months ago, I sat down from leading at Relentless. My life wasn't in order. Church isn't first. My wife is long pause from me. This is my wife. Okay, so it was a picture of her. She is from God. She is a life giver. She is a kingdom builder. So this is also the woman who said that she had to basically rebirth and raise him. Yeah, it's weird. Her name is Aventer. I met her at church. She was worshiping God through dance. Over time, she allowed me in her life and let me dance with her. She took my ring and said yes, and we began our forever journey. What my dance partner didn't know was that I was very much unfinished. He always uses that when he cheats. He's unfinished. He's a child. Um, the last situation, she actually got up and did a whole sermon basically about this woman who took advantage of her husband who had the brain and libido of a 16-year-old. This was not that long ago, and he wasn't 16. I never knew what consistent discipline, planning, leadership, manhood, or personal holiness in action from a man's standpoint looked like. Yet is the leader of a super large flock. Okay. Living a shadow life, God was unwilling to let me die, assuming I was whole. I failed to uphold the holy standard of God in my marriage, and I'm sorry. Again, that was me, not him. Although you are the only woman I've ever slept with, emotional unfaithfulness is just as wrong. Well, you know what? I guess this is, you know what? My bad. 
He's not lying. He's saying the only woman he ever slept with. The other women he screwed. And if he left right after the sex, he didn't actually fall asleep. Okay, my bad. Bad just Jonda. John Gray did not lie. He said she, he's, she is the only woman he ever slept with. Got it. Okay, let me get back to here. Emotional unfaithfulness is just as wrong. Sin is sin. Unless you don't sleep sleep with them. Because apparently it's the sleep thing that is the most important. People want to minimize one sin over another when it is, when, okay, this is him. This isn't me. When it all can get you sent to hell. Okay, I, I, I do agree with that. Sin is sin. Although, you know, that whole murder and child molesting thing, I don't know. I may have to rank that higher. My marriage forced me to face both of me, flesh versus spirit. I mean, I guess recently, because not the last few times. It is every man's battle. Loving God isn't enough. Preaching Jesus isn't enough. Face yourself, get delivered, or hurt the ones who actually love you the most. I started intense counseling, personal and for my marriage, in the summer. Scariest thing ever. Most necessary thing ever. I had no one to blame. My life is my responsibility. Admit you're wrong. God deserves better. My wife deserves better. The pain I caused her is immeasurable. Seeing her name in blogs because of things I did broke my soul. So since I was the cause of public embarrassment, let me be just as loud about public honor. That was all in caps. Aventer, you are a miracle to me. I am sorry for the pain I've caused you. Your you name, he probably meant your name, should have never come up in any conversation in any negative way with anyone ever. By the way, he talked bad about his wife to the mistress, which she videotaped or, or she made a video of because it was on FaceTime, basically talking about how she didn't cook and all this stuff. And to make matters worse, he had the child, their child, as in his child with his wife, with them, his little boy, and actually had his son co-sign on the fact that his mother only made frozen pizza as he was essentially making fun of his wife to his mistress. I must do the work to earn your trust. I've lived a life I'm not proud of in so many areas, but before I die, I will be the man God intended and the husband your heart can rest with. I will be the father my kids can be proud of. I'll be the pastor relentless can stand behind. I'm in the process and I will stay in it. May the man I am become becoming match the vision God showed you. I love you. Now I'll tell you my, okay, so that's the end. Of course, immediately people are commenting and they are just saying he is the best thing. Oh, oh, you're so wonderful. And these, these are all women, of course. Um, This apology didn't have to be public. I do agree with some instances of public, um, when you hurt someone or something because you could do harm let's say to an institution um i do believe it or lots of people you know a harm in a way that lots of people are harmed by your action that if you committed the act publicly then the act of contrition should be doesn't have to be 
but I certainly um, agree if you choose that the act of contrition should be equally as public. And we know that is situationally dependent. In this case, while the act for which, you know, the most recent act, while it wasn't public, it became public because of, um, number one, the other person telling some individuals who were um, willing to put it out there publicly, she talked to a vlogger about it. And two, because you can talk to a vlogger about whatever the hell you want, but two, it was the fact that there was public interest in her telling the vlogger this information because of who he is. So, of course, while this was a private hurt in terms of him and her, John and Aventer, being husband and wife, and whatever indiscretion he committed being an indiscretion committed upon their marital unit, it of course was discussed in a public forum. I get that. That does not mean that the apology had to be public because by making the apology public, all you do is bring this up into the public arena again for her. Now, when she goes places and does things, is it entirely possible that individuals are pss, 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 and whispering? It's possible. Doesn't necessarily mean it happens all the time. And sometimes how much people talk about you or whisper about you or want to constantly um, remind themselves and others about something that hurt you or, or caused you misfortune, a lot of times that is really related to how much they do, or more importantly, they don't like you. Because if people like in your community like you, care about you, and in the case of her, just sticking with Aventur in particular, if people like her and care about her in their community as their first lady, as a, a fellow mother and woman and, you know, just a fellow person in the struggle of life who had a situation that would be painful no matter what, but made even more so because it was in the public arena, so you add embarrassment and, and public humiliation to it, you add to it people talking about them in a certain kind of way, like, you know, saying they're hypocrites and this and that and the third because of how they hold themselves out as an example because of being a pastor. And, and she is a minister as well. I think they're co-pastors, although he is the one who is, you know, the, the one in the front being the man. And that just happens, as we know. Um, as, but the bottom line is a lot of that is tied to how people feel about you. And if people feel 
positively about you, they like you, they care about you, whatever, they're not as prone to constantly throw it in your face. It's not like she is a pop star who people like, let's say a Cardi B, who people have a love-hate relationship with on any given day, depending on the video, depending on the tweet, or whether or not they just love or hate her generally because you know, they may be barbs and down with Nicki Minaj. So that means you got to hate Cardi and the whatever the Cardis are called. I can't remember right now. Um, so I, I get that, but not in an instance like this. No, they are not private citizens per se, but certainly a little bit more private than and, and her because she's not the one that's really out front than your average person because these are church pastors or what have you um because of the things that have occurred they are never going to be uh more than likely they're never going to be as big as they were or were on track to become i mean he was potentially on track to become um a younger version of T.D. Jakes in terms of how his ministry and it just overall notoriety and and I don't even mean in a bad way because I mean like just notoriety in terms of people knowing who he was because they had the show on own he was writing books and all of that stuff and that is really in large part where their fortune came from um, you know, of course they get a salary from the church or whatever, but it was the fact that he wrote books and he was traveling and they had the show on own and all of those things that, um, really put them out there in the public more so him because even the show was sort of like the book of gray or the book according to John Gray or something like that. And, um, although they were billed as a couple and within their church and and people who follow them it is very it's you know john and aventer the star is him so she kind of other than when she did the whole thing when she was like you know ranting calling the woman you know you know basically a jezebel and some of the weird stuff they've said on talk shows, like I said, mentioned earlier about having to raise him and all that weird stuff. But for the most part, especially because the star, his star was on the decline, um, not within the church community, but within the rest of the secular community because I doubt they were going to have another season on Oprah given their personal drama. Um, I think they did have one more season after that, but certainly not when the crap keeps happening. And, um, and I'm sure he's probably not getting quite as many engagements to speak, especially when the excuse that he has to give for his continual behavior is I am an unfinished person who essentially has been lying and gooping everyone for years into thinking that I am someone that you should be following when I don't have my shit together. So again, 
this is a situation where at least for her, this embarrassment and humiliation in her circle, in her community, with the people that she has to deal with every day, could have faded somewhat into obscurity. We're dealing with COVID. We've got an election. There is a whole lot going on that unless someone just doesn't have anything to do the next time they run into uh, it, run into Aventure in the supermarket, the first thing they're going to do is not go, <laughs> now they might do it when they get home and talk to their girlfriends, but this puts it back in everybody's face. And that is not cool. That also shows that you haven't learned a thing. You haven't learned a thing. This apology is I, I, I. I was, let, let me let me look at all the eyes. I, I'm not even going to count because it would take too long. I sat down. My wife, my wife. I met her. Um, let's see. I was very much an unfinished. I never knew what this meant. I was. I I assumed I was whole. I failed. I I'm sorry. Um, my marriage. I started intense therapy. My life it is responsibility. My wife deserves better. Um, I was the cause. I am sorry for your pain. I must do the work. I've lived a life I'm not proud of. You know, I'll be the father of my kids. I'm in the process and I will stay fit. I, I, I. Yes, there's a lot of her thrown in there, but it's I, I, I. Let me just, even the part where he says, since I was the cause of the public embarrassment, let me be just as loud about public honor. This is not public honor when it reinforces the embarrassment by putting it back in the public, especially when it came out two months ago. And at that point, your first instinct was to get with your attorney and say that the woman was lying. When she never said that you all slept together. So, well, had sex because that whole sleeping together just annoys me. She never said that you had sex. Now, I'm not entirely sure I believe her. She made, she, because since she knew she was, he was married and her brother is a minister, she was covering her own ass too. Because if you listen to the interview, there's a lot of stuff where she didn't want to look as bad as she looked by dealing with him. Because quite frankly, even though she claims when she reached out to him, it was just to thank him for um, his involvement in the funeral of a family member or whatever, doesn't matter. Technically, you reached out. And when he, re and even if that part is true, when he responded and it began to be something about, you know, him thinking you were attractive or whatever, you could have cut that off because you knew about him. You knew who he was. You knew the whole deal. And if nothing else, since you went and tracked him down on Instagram, you damn sure knew he was married because he's a family friend. Now, again, I am not going to blame her because in these instances i am always one to say that ultimately no matter what she did whether she was thotting it out or just kind of you know 
sort of tripped and fell into this situation. She's not the one who had, a, who made a commitment to Aventer and on this even greater level of being a pastor and, you know, having their marriage and their lives linked in a whole other way with this whole living their lives as public holy people on top of it. Um, so you're never going to hear me being one of the ones who is beating up too bad. I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to give her some knocks, but I'm not going to beat up too bad on the unmarried person, no matter what they did or didn't know, because at the end of the day, unless they are a friend independently of the, the aggrieved spouse, a friend, a relative or something, because that's a totally different relationship, they aren't the ones who made the commitment to the spouse that's being cheated on. The spouse did. So at any rate, again, down a rabbit hole, but I just bring that up because I know that uh, there's some people who would listen to this and because of my comments about the alleged mistress's role in this would immediately be like, oh, you're blaming a woman or whatever. Nope, I'm not. It's always about the person who made the commitment. The other person, you, you know, you can say whatever you want about them, but at the end of the day, they're not the one who married the person who is, you know, looking, who's being dogged out. Now, one thing that this person, one of the commenters said, and I love this, is such a great comment, and then I'm going to leave it. They said, John Gray is just offset in a pulpit. <laughs> and then somebody, another Twitter wrote, another Twitter user wrote, when does John Gray actually have time to be a pastor? He's always announcing an affair. <laughs> so we'll leave on that, uh, on that funny note. So that is the scoop for the day. I only expect it to go about 30 minutes and here we are at 108, but, um, hell, I, you know me, we'll, we'll go all kinds of places. I am going to put time, start putting some timestamps in these, uh, podcasts, especially in the ones where we're doing topics that are so different because A, not everybody knows all the people we talk about, and B, certainly in an episode like this, where we start with the politics, and especially when it's not quick, it's like politics for about a good um, 15, 20 minutes before we get to the pop stuff and the sex stuff and all of that, <laughs> you know, and all of that stuff. Um, I want... Uh, you all to be able to, I would love for you to listen to the whole show in its, an entire, in its entirety. That's great. And it certainly makes potential advertisers feel great. But I do understand that everybody doesn't like everything like I do. And so I still want to hang out with you and talk about these things with you. But as I always say, I want to talk with you about things that you want to talk about. So if that means you got to skip around a little bit, I understand. And in that vein, um, when I have episodes like this, I will begin to put timestamps in them, starting with this particular episode. So um, if you're listening, it doesn't matter to you very much. But <laughs> for those who may look up the episode, um, you'll see the timestamps 
in the, um, you'll start seeing timestamps in the info box. So beginning with this episode, moving forward, especially since we're in nonstop November, day 10, you will begin to see those timestamps so that you can skip around, especially if you don't have time to listen to the whole show in one sitting and have to come back and forth. So other than that, thank you once again for hanging with your girl. This is Just Jonda, still in nonstop November, still having a great time. Ignore the fact that it sounds like I may be losing my voice. It is not because of nonstop November. You still got me. Earlier today, I just got a little hoarse because I was out a bit, but I will take care of that. Um, I think that is it. So follow me and listen wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Don't forget, share with your friends. Let them know that, of course, you can subscribe to me on Podbean, but I am on Amazon. I am on iTunes. And please leave five stars and comments. Don't forget, I do have all social media platforms, Fashion and Drama Diaries, join tomorrow. We're going to have a great time, followed by a live show, because we're all going to be watching The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City in a Facebook group together. And so if you join the Fashion and Drama Diaries, I can invite you to that group. We're going to do it live. It'll be lots of fun. Then I'm going to come on live afterwards so that we can dissect the whole thing, because it sounds like... It is going to be a hot mess. I cannot reinforce how crazy it is to me that one of the characters allegedly married her own step-grandpa. And I don't care what the reason is. Still weird. But, but at any rate, um, go ahead and listen. Follow me on all social media platforms at Let's Be Honest JJ. That's L-E-T-S-H-O-N-E-S-T-J-J for Just Jonda on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, if you are thinking about it and would like to talk about it, chances are I'm thinking about it and want to talk about it with you. So let's be honest together. Good night.